Welcome to the radio broadcast of Pineview Baptist Church, a growing community of faith in the Belfast community of Goldsboro. We are located at 3357 U.S. Highway 117 North in Goldsboro. We invite you to find out more about our congregation by visiting us at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. Join us now for our weekly message. Over the last several weeks, we've been talking about this idea of God saves sinners, the work of redemption. How does God save? How does He save you and I? What is His plan of salvation? And so we've talked about several things. We've talked about the call of the gospel and how the gospel goes forth, how it is to be presented. We've talked about regeneration and how God begins the work of cleansing, regeneration in our lives. We've talked about faith for the last two weeks. And if you don't know after the last two Sundays that that justification is by faith, I don't know what else to say. But today we're going to talk specifically about justification. What is it? What does it accomplish? What does it do? What is the effect of justification in our lives? And so I would invite you to turn with me today to the book of Romans to Romans chapter 5. If you have a pew Bible nearby you, you can turn in that as well if you don't have your own copy of Scripture. But Romans chapter 5 speaks at length about this idea of justification. I'm reading from the English Standard Version of Scripture, and here's what God's Word says to us today. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us and that while we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God? For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we now have received reconciliation. This is the Word of God, brothers and sisters. Thanks be to God for it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, speak to us today, for Your servants are listening. Let Your Word go forth, Lord. Let it accomplish that which it is intended to accomplish. May it convict, may it draw, may it save, may it renew our minds. It's in the name of Christ we pray and ask these things. 
Amen and amen. I invite you to leave your Bibles open to Romans chapter 5 as we're going to be referencing those verses again. And from time to time, I like to encourage you to read along with me when we refer back to the text because I believe it helps in our understanding. And I believe that the Holy Spirit uses even that, the reading of the Word of God. Write with God. If you grew up in the church, if you grew up the way that I did, you probably heard that phrase more times than you could count. Oftentimes it was posed in the form of a question, are you right with God? Maybe speaking of someone else, well, they've strayed from the faith. They're they're not right with God. That phrase may be familiar to you, especially here in the Bible Belt. And I remember one time as I was thinking of that phrase, I thought back to high school. I had one particular classmate who was not particularly religious. His family didn't attend church. We attended a Christian high school, a Christian school together, but he struggled to believe. He struggled with faith and he struggled with the affections of this world. And I remember in a chapel class one Tuesday that a preacher stood in the pulpit and he preached about being right with God and what it meant to be right with God. And many of my classmates were very surprised on that particular Tuesday. In the school that I went to, we would have chapel services twice a week. It was very much a church service. At the end of the sermon, he gave an altar call, and and my friend stepped forward, and he went to the altar, and he prayed. And we were all very surprised. And I remember asking him with a group of other classmates that day, did you get right with God? And he made the comment that I'll never forget. He said, no, I didn't get right with God. Maybe I got better with God, but I didn't get right with God. The fact is, for many of us, how we would answer that question has more to do with how we think we've performed. Have we done enough to be good? Can we gain heaven by, by our, our works, by our good deeds? You talk to the average person on the street and you ask them, do they believe in an afterlife? Many of them will say yes. Do they believe in heaven? And then you ask them, are they going to make it? And they say, well, yes, I've, I've been a good person. I've done good things. Frederick Buchner said that holiness is not a human quality at all like virtue. Holiness is not something that people do, but something that God does in them. Many people live spiritual lives filled with uncertainty. Does God accept me or does God reject me? Has God forgiven my sins or does He still hold them against me? Will God keep all His promises to me or or does God's faithfulness depend on my performance? And for people who live with that uncertainty, the spiritual life is topsy-turvy. It's up and down. And in these verses from Romans, Paul presents us with four assurances today that help us live our Christian lives in a way that is confident and assured, justified lives. As I said, we've talked about faith for the last several weeks. We know that faith is the precursor to justification, that justification is by faith. But today I want to present to you the 
assurances that justification brings in the life of a Christian. And we see the first one in verses 1 and 2, the assurance of our future. The assurance of our future. Look at those verses with me, Romans 5, 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Look at the sequence there, brothers and sisters. Focus on that. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, what? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, through Him we have also obtained access by faith into His grace in which we stand and which and, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. I want you to know this morning that justification assures our future. Paul starts by describing how our future looks in light of our experience of justification in Christ. And these verses are full of important terms that, that we must define and do so carefully. But chief among those terms are the words justification and grace. Throughout Romans, Paul has been building a case that we are justified or set right with God based on what God has done through Jesus' death and resurrection. And so our justification with God does not come as a result of human effort, merit, or race, or social status. None of those things accomplish it. And this merely restates what Paul has been teaching up to this point in Romans. We who are in Christ, who have been justified by faith, stand on solid ground. And Paul now speaks of gaining access to grace. I love that language. This realm of grace opens the door to a whole new reality. In the world or the word biblical commentary, it says that the word translated gained access was used by ancient Greeks to describe sailors who had been at sea for months yearning to see land again. Paul was a wordsmith. And he speaks of gaining access. He speaks of solid ground. Well, back then, before radios and cell phones and GPS software, sailors relied on maps and a lot of luck to get from one point to the next and to find their way home. And that phrase, gained access, was used in that context to describe what happened when a sailor finally stepped on dry land and was able to stand on solid ground again. Do you see what Paul says? Brothers and sisters, we're on solid ground. We have obtained access. What a graphic picture of our life in Christ because of God's grace. And that standing enables us, as Paul said in the remainder of that verse, to rejoice in the hope of glory. Verse 2. The word hope sets our sights towards the future. There's an expectation. There's something to be gained. When we're right with God, we receive assurance that our future is secure. Amen? But continuing on, we also see not only assurance of our future, but assurance in our problems. 
assurance in our problems. And that's verses 3 and 4, if you'll look with me. Not only that, but we rejoice in our, our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Paul doesn't linger too long on the future because he knows that the present can be very difficult, often painful. Problems arise. They threaten to crush our hope. But he's speaking about true joy. Circumstances like broken relationships or financial ruin. Perhaps a terminal illness or a life-changing failure. All those things will shatter your hope. But Paul shows us the way to find joy even in the midst of of those problems in our lives. In the midst of our circumstances, in the midst of our pain, we have assurance that God is still working. You see the pattern there. Suffering produces perseverance, he says. When I think of perseverance, I think of that distance runner who keeps running even though they've developed leg cramps, even though they are physically exhausted and ready to collapse, but they keep going, they keep pushing. The medical student who retakes that test that he failed the next semester and he pushes through. The entrepreneur who starts another business even though the last one failed. Such perseverance results in a tried and true character. And that character produces more hope and a greater confidence that God is restoring us to the glory for which He made us. There's a tremendous need for perseverance in the life of faith. You've heard that phrase, keep on keeping on. Keep on keeping on. When we're right with God, we not only have assurance that our future is secure. But we have assurance that God is working in the midst of our problems. Thirdly, this morning, we see assurance of God's love. Assurance of God's love. Read with me verses 5 through 8. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Paul zeroes in on our experience of God's love. He focuses on the subjective and objective components of God's love. Subjectively, we personally in our own minds experience God's love. How? Because it says through the Spirit, God has poured out, He's drenched our hearts in His love. Verse 5 says that it's been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. But objectively, how do we see We look at the cross. This is where we see the evidence for God's love. The objective evidence of the love of God is seen in the cross of Christ. And that anchors our experience of that love in reality. And I said reality because it is a historical fact. You've heard me say many times that there is evidence enough that the Word of God is true, that that Christianity is true. If only you would look... 
This is a bit of a rabbit trail, but I'll go down it for just a minute. Have you heard of TikTok? Anybody heard of TikTok? Well, I'm on TikTok. I got on there because my daughter's on there. I want to make sure, you know. But there's a lot of pastors up there. There's a lot of people who are preaching the gospel up there, and I give thanks to God for that. But one thing that I heard a pastor say up there the other day was he said, I'm being inundated with people coming to me and saying, well, pastor, TikTok says this about the Bible. TikTok says that what you told me was wrong. And he said, what is your authority? Is it TikTok? Is it 60-second videos on the Internet, or is it the Word of God? There is a reality that we proclaim. The cross of Christ, and we are anchored in that belief and hope. And in those moments when we doubt God's love or our experience of God's love begins to fade, the cross stands as a reminder of the love of God. What does all that mean? Verse 8. But God shows, He demonstrates His love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The gospel isn't for good people. It's not for church members. It's not just for people who are dressed nice. It's for sinners. Christ died for sinners, people who were at enmity with God. What does it mean to be at enmity? Fellowship is broken. There's, there's no love lost. We have our backs turned to God. Think of your worst enemy in this life. And the way that we respond to God in our natural selves is ten times worse than that. But while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. We see assurance of our future. Assurance that God is working in our present problems. We see that when we're right with God, we receive assurance that God loves us. The cross is proof of that. But finally this morning, we see assurance of God's friendship. Verse 9, Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God? Apart from Christ dying on the cross, apart from faith, there is no hope, there's wrath. The Bible tells us that very thing, that the wages of sin is what? Death. The penalty for your sin is death, but that you don't have to pay that penalty because the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And so He justified us by His blood. It says in verse 9, "...much more shall we be saved from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, how much more now that we're reconciled shall we be saved by His life? More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation." In this final section here, Paul uses the language of reconciliation to describe our new relationship with God. Justification was that legal term we've talked about that describes a person being set right. 
But reconciliation is a relational term. It describes former enemies being brought together in in friendship. Have you ever experienced that? Someone wronged you. Someone hurt you. Maybe it was with words. Maybe it was in a physical way. An underhanded way. A behind-your-back kind of thing. And the relationship was severed. You no longer could enjoy friendship and fellowship. But forgiveness takes place and allows that relationship to be restored. That's reconciliation. In his commentary, the New International Commentary, Douglas Moo writes that because reconciliation comes from the realm of friendship, most religious people of Paul's day didn't use this term to describe people's relationship with God because it was considered too arrogant and boastful to think of God being our friend. I've struggled with that at times. The Bible says that Abraham was a man of faith and was accounted unto him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. That's what faith and justification accomplishes. The result of Reconciliation is friendship again. Our relationship with God is described as nothing less than a reconciled friendship. When we're right with God, we receive receive assurance of God's friendship. Israel Houghton wrote a song years ago that many churches still sing today. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. Thanks be to God for that truth. Maybe you're sitting here today and you're kind of like me. I can understand God as my my Redeemer. I can understand God as my Savior. But it's hard to view Him sometimes as my friend. It just seems too audacious, too amazing. But I want to verify for you today, based on what God's Word has said, it is true. That those of us who are in Christ, He calls us friend. In the midst of life's many uncertainties, Paul provides us with four assurances today. Assurance of our future. Assurance that God is working in our problems. Assurance of God's love. Assurance of God's friendship. And these assurances enable us to face any circumstance with hope and with confidence. I want to ask you this morning, do you see it? Here it is, Romans 5. Do you see how beautiful it is? And how wondrous it is? In the Reformation Study Bible, the notes in the margin say that In the place of falling short of God's glory through sin, there is hope of glory. Instead of suffering as judgment, there is joy in tribulation because of what God produces through faith. Instead of fearful uncertainty, there is assurance of God's love and joy in Him. Do you know that joy today? All this takes place as God calls us to His gospel. 
as He begins the work of regeneration in our lives, and as He leads us to repentance and faith. Do you see the steps that we've talked about for the last several weeks and how they fit together? Because that's how God justifies. That is how God saves sinners. And that is exactly what we come today to celebrate around this table. But before we close, I want to do what I've done every week during this sermon series. I want to ask you today, have you come to place your faith and full confidence in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? The One who died for your sins. The One who accomplished our redemption. He purchased it. The One who was laid in a borrowed tomb, but the Bible tells us and history confirms that in three days... He overcame death and hell and the grave. He ascended to heaven. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. He is interceding for us today. Do you believe? Have you ever repented of your sins and placed your faith and trust in Christ? You say, Pastor, I've been in church for 40 years. That's not what I asked you. Have you ever repented of your sins and trusted in Christ alone? It is the gift of God, but it is offered freely to you today. As I said, we will come to this table and we will celebrate. And we know that as we gather around the table, we are preaching and proclaiming the gospel. But as I do each week, when we partake of these elements, I do something called fencing the table. And I want to read this to you today. This table is for you who have been forgiven of your sins through faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus gave this sacred tradition to us, His church. And do not think that you can only come forward if you are perfect. You cannot come perfect. Jesus alone is your perfection. But you are invited to come broken but hopeful, believing yet repenting. If you are not a Christian... The bread and the cup is not something that you should receive today. Only those who have received Jesus should receive communion, and we encourage you to use this time to consider the offer of forgiveness and eternal life that Jesus holds out to all who are willing to receive Him. Place your hope in Him. Come to Jesus today. You may not come to this table today, but you can come to Christ today. And that is what this table represents. I'm going to close in prayer. We're going to sing a hymn together. And as always, this altar is open for anyone who would desire to come and pray, but also invite you after service to speak to myself or Pastor Tim if we can assist you in coming to faith in Christ, in knowing that you have these assurances in your life. After I pray, after we sing our closing hymn, I'm going to ask those of you who have trusted in Christ alone, by faith alone, to come forward and to receive the elements, to return to your seat, hold the elements, and we will partake together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your Word. 
And I pray today that it will be in us. Lord, I pray today that by the power of Your Spirit, You will convict, You will draw. I pray that You will save. I pray today, Lord, that You will remind us who are in Christ of our first love. Remind us of the gospel that we have received and in which we stand. Help us, Lord, as we prepare our hearts and lives to partake of these elements, to examine ourselves, whether we are in the faith, whether we are separated from God. Also, Lord, whether we are right with our brothers and sisters, because the Scriptures tell us that to partake at this table, there must be unity, unity in the Spirit, that comes by faith in Christ, but also unity with the brethren. So this is a time for examination. This is a time to set things right. Heavenly Father, we pray these things today in the name of Your Son and our Savior. And it's in the blessed name of Jesus we pray them. Amen. If you would like more information about Pineview Baptist Church, we invite you to follow us on social media. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Pineview Baptist Goldsboro. There you will find information about our service times, upcoming events, directions to our church, and videos of our Sunday services.